0: Hello, Sixes. Welcome to Life Uninhibited. I'm your host, Kristen Messagy. Today's topic is all about emotions, also thoughts. Getting really clear on our relationship between our thoughts and our emotions is such an important part of really understanding what all is happening in these big, beautiful, sexy brains of ours. So I hope you get a lot out of it. Let's dive in. Hello, Sixes. Welcome. Okay. I am back from three weeks away on the road in beautiful places. It was wonderful. I'm getting back into regular life. You know what's so funny? Tell me if this ever happens to you. As we're, you know, headed back and I'm starting to upload everything that you have to do in regular life, especially as school's coming up in a couple weeks for the kids and all the things, so many things, work, a a home, Um, my brain was like, well, no problem because now you can just be a totally different person (laughs) and handle all of the things differently and everything will be great. Like that is what my brain was offering. Does your brain ever do this? When you're like, you know what? All I have to change are these four to six to 12 fundamental ways that I operate in the world. And then everything is going to be great. Uh, I saw my brain doing that and I got a hearty chuckle at myself (laughs) as my brain was doing that. And the hard crash of realization when I got up this morning. And you know what? There was just a whole lot of life in the way of my becoming a totally different person who handled life 100% differently. Um, If that never happens to you, then forget I said anything. We'll just scratch that. Okay. Okay. So what I want to do today is talk about how we frame the Enneagram in our minds. Then I'm going to talk about a particular strategy that sixes use. And I'll probably share a couple examples because I think that's helpful. You all tell me that's helpful. So let's get into it. The framing that I want to offer may not be new to some of you, but It's very easy to forget, and I think it's incredibly useful to remember. In fact, to put front and center anytime you're looking at the Enneagram or truly any kind of personal work that we're doing. And the reason I think it's important to do this framing is it tends to take off some of the shame involved when we are looking at ourselves and how we're operating in the world, as well as add a bit of possibility and hopefulness and choice. So what I'm talking about is when you say, I am a six, I'm an Enneagram six, that is an untruth that is potentially harmful to you. And here's What I mean. When we say I am such and thus, in this case, I am a six. First of all, it's just not correct. You are a human being, a beautiful human being who has adaptive strategies that were developed many, many, many years ago, decades ago, that you did not choose, that were developed in response to. And this is where we all get to decide, right? In response to how you came into the world, things that you dealt with in your childhood, the way that your system developed, the particular adaptive strategies that came on board for you that then became unconscious, right? None of this was chosen. We didn't choose this necessarily. I mean, I think some people have those sorts of belief systems. I don't personally. I think that what happened is we came into the world with particular sensitivities that then reacted to, you know, the day we were born on ongoing. We reacted automatically to those experiences with our particular sensitivities to then create and practice unconsciously strategies to survive unconscious strategies for living so when we say i am a six it's it's not true and the reason it matters the reason the sort of semantic matters is because when we say i am something we're, we're claiming it and and what do we then make that mean this is where we want to bring in some curiosity for our own thinking and what actually is going on inside. So when you say to yourself, I am a six, and that means, what comes up? What are all the things that means? Oftentimes, there's a whole big ball of negative associations that come with that. There could be positive ones in there too, If that's in there, great. I would challenge the positive ones not to just be difficult, but to, you know, what's the next layer there? Because a lot of times when sixes talk about their positive qualities, their next thought is, and why can't other people just be like me? Why can't other people be more like me? We kind of use the positive qualities in a way to almost victimize ourselves to others, right? Because one of our key strategies is to put ourselves in something of a one-down position uh, to other people in the world. So it's just really interesting to get curious about if we say, I'm a six, and that means we're gonna have a slew of negative thoughts. We might have some positive thoughts, but those might then have a negative twist. So that's something you can do for yourself. Just notice, okay, when I say, I'm a six, And that means, what do I make that mean? You're gonna get access to a lot of your unconscious automatic thinking. So when we say, I use type six strategies to survive life, or my unconscious uses or developed type six strategies in response to life, you're going to have a different reaction to a sentence like that. My hope is that you're going to have a, it's just, it opens things up in a different way. For me, maybe not for you. You can try this stuff on your own self and see what happens. But when I say to myself, oh, my unconscious uses type six strategies in response to life, I have a sense that, one, I can notice what those are. I can learn what those are and notice when they happen for me. It gives me a sense that I could choose other strategies if I wanted to. I could develop another way of being in the world if I wanted to. And this is you know, what we're doing in Enneagram work and any kind of growth work is we're looking at what we have going on now. And we're trying to find ways and we're using tools and techniques to crack open choice. So we're not just stuck living our unconscious strategies, our unconscious, fairly predictable patterns. That's what we're doing. So it's important to consider we are not a particular type. And again, this may not be news, Yet, how are you really doing this in your own self? I know that when I work with clients and I show them this difference, it's often pretty profound when they're thinking, I'm a six, I'm this kind of six, I'm this way. It really is sort of claiming usually limitations and and just kind of like uh, making them more sticky, more true inside themselves as opposed to my system currently uses these strategies unconsciously because that's what I developed in order to navigate life. And that's also what other people are doing there. They are separate from the personality strategies they are using to navigate life. So- I think that's super important. I know for me, it's super important. I only claim I am such and thus when I like it, when I want more of that. I'm careful, very careful, not to claim things that you know. I don't. I don't want as much of that. So there's a whole bunch of stuff wrapped in there. There's some thought work. There's some just different pieces, but I highly recommend just literally trying these different thoughts on and seeing what your brain does and what your body does in response to these different ways of framing things. So with that said, I want to move into focusing on one particular strategy that type six uses, or we could say, what, what would be the way to say that that I just said? So if we identify as sixes, we're likely to utilize the particular strategy when things don't go our way of emotional realness, otherwise known as reactivity. Someone else calls it the emotional expressiveness. This is us in a harmonic triad with fours and eights. So four, six, eight all come together and use I like emotional realness best so that's what I'm going to use in this Riso and Hudson I think they were the ones that originated the harmonic triads which is what we're talking about so this is how numbers this is the strategy that numbers use when we don't get what we want when there's any kind of discomfort or frustration or just things not going our way we have an automatic reaction to it the reason I don't like the phrase reactive triad is because every number is reacting when things don't go how they want. It just looks different. So the three triangles here, you have the us, the emotional realness triad. You have the positive outlook triad, two sevens and nines, and the emotional competence triad 1, 3, and 5. The way that I want to talk about it is to use specific examples because here's the thing, and you all have heard me talk about this before, but it's important to come back to over and over and over. Understanding, right, having information or knowledge stuck in our heads is not the same as actually knowing and embodying knowledge that then gets translated into our life in ways that are truly useful and valuable, accessible to us. Super different. So yes, get all the information and, you know, at some point, what what are we doing with it? So that's why I like to use personal examples. Emotional realness means that when anything happens that we don't like, doesn't go our way, that we're not happy about, we tend to have, everybody has emotions, okay, when things don't go their way. It's how do we respond to the emotions? This is why reactive is a problematic word to use here. Even though I get why they use reactive, it's a problematic word because just because someone acts calm doesn't mean they're not reacting. So my husband, he's a one, if him and I, if there's a sudden flare, right? A potential for argument. We both are having internal reactions. He as an emotional competence type is going to use a strategy of like hey, let's just look at this rationally. Let's just look at the uh you know, the facts here. Let's just figure out what's right. Now he might seem calmer than me, not to say ones are always calm, we know they're not, but in this case He's still reacting. This is so important, particularly because women get judged as overreacting. And that's a bunch of bullshit and a whole nother topic. But it's really important. I think, for us to remove this idea of us being reactive, even though this is currently part of my program, okay? I plan on updating that. (laughs) Anyway, point being, we're all reacting. Okay, even a positive outlook type. Let's say that you, a six, and a nine get into something that could be an argument. Well, the nine strategically is going to, oops, sort of shut down and withdraw and seem very calm. That's still an emotional reaction. It just looks different than those of us that tend to want to deal with the emotions in a very present way. So this is why I like emotional realness as the term. I also do like the emotionally expressive group. I like that one too. Regardless, let's talk about what it looks like in sixes. And also the thing I want to talk about is there tends to be sort of a dominant thought that is paired with the feeling. And this is really important. And this is going to give us some nuance in the differences within the triad themselves. So four, six, and eight are all in this emotional expressing group or this emotional realness. I won't keep saying all of the terms every time I say them, you pick the one that you like. So something happens can be anything. Okay. Big, small, doesn't matter. Fours, sixes, and eights are going to orient who the emotions produced. This is, and and again, everyone has emotions produced. It's just how do we orient to the emotions? And what is the underlying thought connected to the experience of having the emotions? And for sixes, there tends to be an underlying thought of, I don't know if I can handle this. It could even be, I'm pretty sure I can't handle this. And so the emotions are going to come. There's that unconscious underlying thought of, "Ooh, I don't know if I can handle this. I'm pretty sure I can't handle this. And that literally could be around the physical emotions produced or the larger actual circumstance that has happened that the six is having feelings about. So the difference there, for example, is with the eight is also going to orient to the emotions produced, but the underlying thought is going to be something more like, you know, this isn't right. Someone's got to do something about this. I will go ahead and do something about this. Right. And we all can just understand that this isn't right. And we can all really sort of you know, galvanize around the fact that this anger is justified and I will handle it. Whereas the six is very much more like, I don't think I can handle this. I need to find someone to handle this. I need to find people to validate this emotion because that's the other thing is sixes generally don't, validate their own emotional experience. We look for external people to validate the emotion. And then we look to external people to essentially fix the emotion. So then the four, the underlying thought is more like, I need to be understood. I need to have people around me that understand this, that will feel this with me. And we're all just going to kind of like get on board with my thought different than I need someone to validate it for me, which is what the six is doing more of. Okay. I hope some clarity there. And then of course, that's in contrast to, I gave an example of a one in the emotional competence group, then in the positive outlook group, when something happens they don't want, they're going to positive it up. And that can, that's their strategy strategies used to deal with things we don't like in life. Something I think is really interesting, we all have access to all of these things, right? And this is why it's so important, again, to not just claim, well, I do everything this way because we don't always do things the same way. And one way to explore this is what happens when someone else has a feeling or an experience that uh, they're having a particular emotional emotional reaction, let's say. So I can use my husband again as an example. <laughs> can always use us as examples. So let's say my husband is doing his one thing and he's really angry about something. And so he's getting going, talking about something. I might be the one to either kind of withdraw and try to bring some emotional competence to the situation Like, well, let's look at the facts. Basically, what are you so upset about? Or I might positive outlook. Like, well, at least dot, dot, dot. Or, you know, have you thought of this? So I have access to these other strategies as well. It's when I am experiencing something that triggers an emotion in me automatically then I'm doing the strategic things of, uh oh, I better get this emotion validated. I need to find someone to fix the situation. I need to find who's at fault for the situation. And I'm just all, you know, in, we can say, in reaction to all of these emotions. And when I'm in reaction to all of those emotions, what do I do? Okay. So that's the general idea. And it, is a really good thing to know what it looks like when we're enacting those strategies. They happen automatically. This is an unconscious, automatic, immediate reaction to anything that happens in life that we don't like. I'm gonna give a couple examples. These are mild examples. And I think it's more useful to use mild examples because... It's easier to do work when the stakes are not too high. This comes up in coaching all of the time where people don't want to bring what they think are too small of examples to coaching, which I'm always saying, please bring anything. And sometimes the smaller, the better because the stakes are lower, because the emotional reactions are less intense. It's much easier to work through things when our we're not so locked into our strategy trances that we kind of can't get out. We can learn a lot of things sometimes when the stakes are lower than when the stakes are higher. That just makes sense. So sometimes, oftentimes, the smaller the better, especially when we're trying to build new skills to handle the bigger more intense things that we deal with in life. So these are small, but I think they're really good examples of emotional realness in action. I could give you 20 examples just from today because this is the type of thing that's always at play. It's always at play. So for sixes, we generally have this underlying story when emotions happen. I can't, I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I should even be having this. So, when that's happening, it's like, it's really like the reactivity just kind of goes off and gets a life of its own. So, what we want to do, okay, this brings up one more point that I want to wrap in this whole thing. In order to move forward, in order to do our quote work or whatever, we want to be able to learn to withstand the discomfort of not doing the automatic strategies. This is why it's so important we learn what our automatic strategies are. We remove shame attached to the automatic strategies. They're just what the heck we are doing to get through life. Just literally automatic strategies. And then we wanna be able to withstand the discomfort of not doing the automatic things and see what happens, what cracks open when we don't just do the things and then enact the patterns that we always enact over and over and over again. So here are my two examples. They're both from my recent vacation. So the first one, driving. Okay, no, no, no. We're getting ready to go on a hike. And my daughter was struggling with something about her shoes. And my husband, sees her situation and her emotional distress is going and she's got something going on with her shoe and he jumps in in a way that then she gets her feelings hurt and is crying and upset. So then I have a whole bunch of feelings produced, not just feelings, but narratives, okay? Are you following me? So you all already know where I'm going with this. Daughter has a problem. Husband jumps in in a way that I think is harsh. I have emotions that happen and the emotions bring with them a whole flipping narrative of doom. This is is what we do, right? Narrative of doom. Okay, now, because it's not my first day, (laughs) he goes out. I comfort her. I don't even remember the exact details. We all end up on our journey to the place we were going. And I am fuming, right? I'm I'm just all the feelings and all of the stories. And the stories are, of course, my brain goes back in time to all the ways he's always like this and how dare he and blah, 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 right? My brain is gathering evidence to support the emotions that I'm dealing with, which are primarily fear and anger. And then my brain goes forward to the conclusions, right? That this is all terrible. He's terrible. She's going to be scarred, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't need to film the details. You all know. You all know. It's all bad. It's all bad, right? I go back and I grab all the evidence to prove my future horror story true all because of this one moment in time. So this and then what would be the uh what would be the thing that I would do if I wasn't aware of the skill of holding my own discomfort, being with it and watching things change. I would go at him. Right? 100%. I would tell him I don't know if I would do it then or later, but I would be holding on to this like I'm going to fix this right i'm going to let him know he's going to understand why i'm so upset and he's going to understand the horrible things that are going to happen if he ever does that again and doesn't he understand how like just this whole thing and i would need him to validate why i feel the way i feel okay so i'm on to myself and i'm on to the strategies and i know these things and so i just sit with myself and I watch what happens, and I watch the anger, and I watch it kind of move through my body, and I notice the stories that's happening, and I'm noticing, wow, okay, I'm doing the thing. My system is doing the thing where I have big feelings, and I want to go out and you know, make him understand, which is also secretly trying to get validated for these feelings because they're big. And I'm not happy about it. And I don't like what he did, but that's really neither here nor there. So I'm watching and I watch the anger and then I watch it kind of morph into sadness. And I just see this whole entire novella happening inside me as I just see Stay, Stay with myself and let myself be with this discomfort. And eventually it settles and then I'm in a regulated space and then I have access to choice. Then I have access to say something if I want to, let it go if I want to. I get to decide at that point Because I have let my emotions exist. I haven't made any of them wrong. I haven't resisted any of them. Everything I'm saying is a particular skill set, right? Don't make my emotions wrong. Let them exist in my body without reacting to them. Notice the stories that go into the past and into the future. These are all particular skills that when you put them all together, you get choice in your life. Okay. Example number two, also driving down the road, we did a lot of driving on this trip. I checked my podcast stats. (laughs) This one's so funny. It's so funny because of the example of just watching the brain do all the things. Um, I'm not upset about this. This is literally just an example. I am over it. I'm using it as an example to laugh at myself. And... I will I will take the opportunity to make a point. Okay, so I were in the truck and I get on my phone and I decide to look at my podcast reviews and I see that my ranking has gone down. It's gone from five stars to 4.9 because someone has left a three-star review. No, not even a review. Couldn't be bothered to add detail. Just a three-star rating. <laughs> and I was like, what? So the thing that happens is I literally see a three-star rating and then here we go emotional realness, right? I have a wave of fear. I was aware. At first it was fear. I was like, no, it was exposure. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) felt exposed. Now my husband's right there. I could have said something to him and he would have given me all the support. He would have totally been on my side. He would have, whatever, he would have done all these lovely things. I probably would have actually felt worse if I wanted him to validate how terrible I was feeling first. This is often what happens, right? We want validation for the terrible feeling when the person just doesn't, agree with us or doesn't think the same things, then we can get really uncomfortable inside because we aren't able to just validate for ourselves how we're feeling. So I notice, I see the three stars and immediately I'm like, and I feel this sense of exposure and like terror. And my brain starts saying things like, people can just say whatever they want. They can just say whatever they want and impact your uh, your deal here. They can just, they can just say things. They can just put whatever number they want. They can just, whatever. I felt very vulnerable, right? Very scared. And so I watched that happen. And then I watched anger come up and I was like, what in the world? Like how rude. (laughs) You're just going to drop this lame rating without any review to explain why. Like who does that? That's so mean. Okay, I will take this opportunity to say, if you haven't rated the podcast and you like it, please go give it five stars. If you don't like it, just don't do anything. (laughs) Just leave it alone. Okay, so uh, fear, anger. And the anger, you know, it it was so fun to watch because it was just so self-protective. And I was like, oh, wow, like I really have my own back here. Okay, that's fun. And then the funniest part was... Without any information our brain fills in the hole with a story. So I decided that it was because I'm not Enneagram teaching enough. That's what I just that's what my brain made up. Like who knows why? Who knows all the reasons people aren't going to like me? Like it's fine. Truly, on uh, like in in the in the real grounded world here now, it's totally fine. However, in that moment, obviously it was not fine. And my brain was doing what brains do. It was like filling in the gaps of the stories. And I decided, I was like, oh, I'm not being enneagrammy, enneagrammy enough. I was like, so that's fine. I'm just going to become the super Enneagram educational podcast. Like my brain made up the problem and then made up a solution. And also hilariously, the solution was like, not who I am, not how I work, not how I coach. It was very funny to just watch the whole thing happen inside of me without needing to do anything about it. And then after a little while, it resolved. It resolved. And I was able to access the truth, which is that people are going to think what they're going to think. They're going to do what they're going to do. It's actually okay if people don't like me or this podcast or whatever, I was able to access that. But I didn't try to get myself there on purpose without having my whole experience first. This is another skill set. When we are having big emotions, what we tend to do is go at ourselves and argue with ourselves about the experience which short circuits the whole process and just has us feeling really lost inside, right? Like I'm thinking this, but I don't like that. And we try to change what we're thinking because we don't yet know how to just be with the emotions that will move through. They will resolve. And then we can access different thinking. This is... Such an important part of the process. I cannot emphasize it enough. Stop arguing with what is present in your body. Sounds simple. It's not. It's a huge part of the work. So I say stop doing it. Also, as I 100% understand what a big ask that is when the sort of fundamental belief is, I don't know if I can feel this. I don't know if I can actually be with this. Let me go out and start finding ways to feel better externally. Nothing wrong with that. This is a huge part of what I do in coaching. It's like, let's be with what is actually present. And let's hold enough space for that. And then use a whole bunch of different tools to let that discomfort be there long enough that it starts to shift and transmute and change and then other things become accessible this is really something like if that's hard for you to do which generally for us it is that that's okay this is something that getting help for is wonderfully useful for. Because one, you have that validation in the moment. You have that person there saying, yeah, this is what you're experiencing. This is what's happening right now. Let's just be with that. And again, there isn't just one technique or trick or thing that actually helps you build the capacity to be with that discomfort. It's a process and it builds over time. And the benefit of being able to be with our own emotional intensity cannot be overstated. It literally is the thing that gives us our sense of ourselves, our sense of being empowered in our lives, the ability to lean into hard things, the ability to have hard conversations, the ability to set and hold boundaries. They're the Benefits are endless to learning that we actually can, in fact, be present to and experience our own internal intensity. Okay, I hope that was useful to you. How can you apply this in your life? What are the strategies that you can notice that your subconscious activates without your permission? right? It's fine. It just happens. Things happen. Emotions happen. Do you know how your emotions are valid? Because they happen inside of you. That's what makes them valid. That's it. Now, I get it. Many, 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 many of us live with all kinds of ideas about that, about emotions. This is why one of the things we do in my program is literally explore our thoughts about various emotions. We want to see them. When we see them, then we have an opportunity to think of them in different ways, which helps us have more capacity to let them exist in our body and then build more trust that they will move through. Because one of the other things that happens is that we don't believe or know in our bones that the emotions will move through, that they will shift, that they will change, that more will be revealed, that we have the capacity to let that process happen. So, okay, that's it. I could keep, I'm chatty, chatty today. Excited to be back. Okay, that's it. I will talk to you all soon. Please go leave the podcast a five-star rating. If you don't want to leave it a five-star rating, just don't even worry about it. Don't rate it at all. That's also fine. Okay, be back with y'all soon. Bye.